Back to school, baby. Back to school. Is it today the first day back for the kids? Uh, my youngest daughter, who's 10, went back yesterday. Ooh, okay. My 15-year-old went back today. My 19-year-old second year college is started on Monday. Tuesday. And uh, my 21-year-old is uh, back uh, going into her senior year of uh, college, and she starts next week. Wow. Depressing. So it is quiet. It is very quiet in the Rive household right now. Yeah, it's it's a depressing time of year. I got to be honest with you. Do you remember this when you were- well, you told me this morning that your daughter, your youngest daughter, the 10-year-old, was excited to go back. And my kid is just like, oh, I don't want to go back to school, which I don't blame him. I was the same way. Same exact way. Just another year of the same bullshit for these kids, man. It's just. Well, that's not the want... way of looking at it. <laughs> you you say well, that. Come and on. if you have that demeanor. I don't. I don't. School is, is not a fun place to be, then that's going to be the attitude of your son. I'm telling you that. And whoever listens, I don't tell my son that. Yeah. I don't. I encourage school. I listen. My parents did the same thing. They did everything they could in their power to try to make me focus on school. But I think the more that someone pushes on me, the more I resist to it. You know, it's like, don't, fucking tell me what to do and that was my approach to school i did not care about anything that i was learning in school and how much are we using today you know we went through all these complicated math equations and struggled and stressed about these tests and i have fucking used any of it my son just did long started long division last year and i'm sitting there and i forgot how to do long division this is the wonderful thing about being a single dad when you're hovering over the shoulder of a kid every night, I'm basically going back to elementary school or elementary school, however you might say it. The shit they learn, man, it's so irrelevant. Yeah, it's it, so it really is irrelevant. I feel bad. Like I sit here and I battle with my kid at night to get him to 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 write down how the Mesopotamians fucking built their fence and created their culture and their fucking horde of a culture. <laughs> I'm just screwing around with you now, but I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. We were talking. I, I totally understand, you know, what they're learning in school right now. It's uh, man, there's a lot of stuff that I just don't think translates into life, but what it does is it builds some character. Uh, certainly builds character for these kids. And, and, you know, listen, I mean, um, kids learn differently and you've heard that before, right? But they do learn differently. Some, some, some kids learn by visual, some kids learn by being hands-on. Um, you know, I have four kids and, uh, I can say that they're all different. I just, listen, sorry to go on my soapbox, right? I just can't stand struggling with my kids some nights about getting work done that neither of us really give a shit about. And I know the truth. It's not going to matter in 20 years. It's not, it's not going to matter. I forgot to matter at all. I forgot that Mesopotamia existed until my kid brought it home. I learned about it too. I don't even know what that is. So I probably wasn't paying attention to that that was going on, but Lindy rough one time, you might've been on the team. It might've been before you were there. Lindy rough threw up a pie 
graph on the he drew a big circle on the board at the at the front and then he drew like a pie thing and then he drew like percentages so he's like 25 percent of people learn through visual 48 percent he drew like a line on an angle learn through you know doing right and then what or not why but listening uh, clearly i wasn't really paying attention but so that wasn't my way of learning, Lindy, a pie graph. But the point is, is that back to what you're saying is that everyone learns differently. Hockey players included. It's no different in the NHL, but that's why coaching's evolved too. You look at some of these other, co- like that's why Don Granado gets praised is for his well, look new, abs- new way of coaching. Absolutely. If you want education conversation and make it into sports, you can because these these are young kids that are like elementary school sponges and brains at the highest level. Kids learn. Uh, kids, I wouldn't even say kids learn differently today. I just think things are done differently today. Correct. The way I was coached as a as a young hockey player, all the way up into junior hockey, and then when I went to the pro ranks, the way I was treated as an individual in 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 the minors. Okay. And then playing in the national hockey league. And I played for nine different NHL coaches and not one of those guys in today's game are, have the same type of, of, of philosophy. Like Don Granado understands that he's dealing with a young group of men. They're, they're sponges. It's not time to step on their throats and be the bad guy because they're about, it's about confidence and building confidence in, in a young player. And well, that, well, th- this uh, back is when, why back when I was younger at that age, it was like you either shit or get off the pot, man. That's what I was going to say, Craig, is that now the dinosaurs are the experiment. Like John Tortorella in Philadelphia is an absolute experiment. If Bruce Boudreau is Bruce Boudreau coaching anywhere, he's not, is he? He is not. Okay. If he were to get back into coaching, he would be an experiment. I believe Mike Babcock in Columbus is a dinosaur experiment. I think that's a very risky move bringing him back. Okay. Do, do you honestly believe that, or do you think that Mike I, Babcock? You know, if you're talking to Mike Commodore, okay, then you, you're going to get what happened with him many 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 well and many other players okay but lindy ruff was a very very difficult coach was he not yep very difficult to 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 you know he was very very difficult on his players very hard on his players and i'm talking about 2008 9 10 season and before that i know that lindy ruff had a certain coaching style he was very, very tough coach on his players. He made players fear him. Okay. And in today's game, I don't believe that Lindy Ruff is coaching the same way. Lindy Ruff has evolved throughout the years. Like he started coaching. Lindy Ruff started coaching when he was 38 years old in Florida as an assistant coach. Then he got hired as, as a, a full-time head coach for the Buffalo Sabres. And from there, Lindy Ruff, from when he was 39 years old as, as his first-time head coach, has become a very different coach. Oh, he dresses He's different. had to. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Did you see him the other? Sorry to sidetrack. You look rabbit. good. You look good. Oh, he looked good, man. He's listen. This is Lindy. Lindy had on the modern day shoes. Lindy used to be one of the worst dressed coaches in the history of the game. Now all of a sudden he's wearing these pattern shirts where like you roll the cuffs up and there's like another pattern underneath, like those Robert Graham shirts back in the How day. How long has he been coaching for? Oh God. Well, you just said he started in Florida probably in '94. So that's 30 years, probably coming up on 30 years in the league. 94 to 04 to 14 to 23, 24. This is probably his 30th year. If I had to go back and look, might have even started the minors in San Diego, maybe. Check that out. Hold on. Keep talking. Why? Well, I, I, I just. Um... Oh, by the way, I thought when I saw Lindy dressed that night, I thought I honestly I thought Jack Hughes took him shopping on the road. He looked like he looked like a like a 28 year old guy. I loved it. Sorry. Listen, I mean, he's dressing pretty damn well right now because why am I that much money? You can start to spend a little cake on yourself. eh? God, like everyone used to rip on his ties. He had the worst tie selection. He used to wear a brown suit with a black shirt and this black and gray tie and he would come in the locker room and lit and Chris jury would look around the room and give like the old tie. Look, he'd go like, he'd grab the knot of the tie, be like, look at Liddy's tie, look at Liddy's tie. And then the Sabres production crew did this thing. Sorry to shred. It's a Lindy roast. Sorry, but he yeah, listen. Oh, he could tell some stories. Um, the, the team production crew one year went around. What would you get Lindy rough for Christmas? What would you get Lindy rough for Christmas? I would say, Half the team or half the guys that were asked anyway set a new tie. I told him I'd give him a, a card of mine so he knew that I existed. And they said, I like remember someone, him having some pretty shady suits too. 93, 94, he started as an assistant in Florida. That's what I was looking up while I was telling that story, just buying time so we didn't have to hit pause. One time Jack Adams winner? No. Two times, didn't he? I thought he won twice. Didn't he won in 98, 99? Uh, 2005, 2006. Yeah, but I thought he was a two-time Jack Adams winner. Hmm. You don't win the Jack Adams for taking a, a team like that with Dom Hasek, conference finals, back-to-back years. 98, conference finals, lose to Washington. 99, finals, lose to Dallas. I find it interesting that he's never taken any time off. So back, like you can go right back into um, in 1978-79 where he played for Lethbridge Broncos of the WHL and then got drafted to the Buffalo Sabres and played f- on the Buffalo Sabres from 90, or 1979 to 1991, Okay. His entire career with Sabres and then ended with the the Rangers. He played a couple years in the minors to end his career and ended his playing career in 1992-93. The very next year, after his NHL, long NHL career, he jumps right into coaching. Four years being an assistant in Florida. And, I mean, the rest, it's like, he started in 96, 97 or 97, 98 season. And he's still going like, this is a man that he's had. There's been no downtime. Well, you know, some of that too. And I, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but do you remember hearing about a 
swift current Broncos bus crash in 1986. The very famous Canadian story about four players that died on the on oh, wasn't uh, wasn't uh, Joe Sakic on that bus. I think Joe Sakic might have been Theo Fleury. Theo Fleury, Joe Sakic might have been on that bus. There, uh, there were some NHL players that were on that. Lindy's bus. brother was one of the four that died. Oh no! Yeah, man, how I do remember, I not know that? Yeah, I remember he told it. I don't think he talks about it really. I don't, like. I mean, I don't think it's something that he. It was his younger brother, so Lindy would have been playing for the Buffalo Sabers that year. Yeah. I don't know if he would have been captain or not. I don't know if that matters, but he, uh, yeah. And you look at his, I mean, not trying to connect dots, but I mean, if you look at his career, it, it was was never really the same after that. So you always wonder if maybe that's hockey's that escape, right? There are two topics that I wanted to discuss today. Were there any that you had in mind before I dive into these? No, but I'm I'm curious you hear what what you have okay uh so okay well just i saw something i don't know if it was online or on tv i can't remember i, I but connor bedard had the whole chicago blackhawks outfit on the whole gamut uh looking pretty good they call it the home reds which drives me nuts i think the white chicago blackhawks jersey is arguably the nicest jersey in all of sports uniform uh head to toe but that's beside the point um and I was just thinking, like, does this guy have a what kind of pressures he feeling? I know he's probably excited. I know his expectations are probably high, but how high? I mean, is does he actually think he's Connor McDavid? Does he think he's Austin Matthews? Does he have to be those players right out of the gate? Jack Hughes didn't have to be. I feel like he's going to maybe be more of a Jack Hughes type progression in the league more than a McDavid, Crosby, Ovechkin, Matthews, just to name a few. Um that's um shitty topic? No, it, it's cuz I'm I'm really excited to see this kid play. I, I that's the other thing I wanted yeah. to Yeah. I think when you look at uh Yari Slavkowski, the first overall pick last go. year for the Montreal Canadiens. Didn't have a great season. Didn't, uh, you know, he's he's going to be a projected player in a couple years that is going to be a big, strong, fast power forward. Okay. You look at Owen Power. Our, Owen Power in his first year, um, last year, had a really solid season. I wouldn't say that you sat there and were wowed by Owen Power, but he had a very strong season. You look at Alex Lafreniere. Um, Just resigned. Did, just resigned, but he is still up to this point, three years in the league, has he still is, even come close and may never get to he's hovering at, he's hovering at bus mode. He's hovering at bus mode. There's no question. I I agree with that. And then Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes took a couple years. He took three years. He took three years to become Jack Hughes. 
And last year scored 99 Early on, I remember saying, oh, my God, this could be a huge mistake. They'll never draft a kid first overall from the NTDP ever again. Well, he's he's super small. He looked like he was 14 years old. He needed. I'm admitting that I was wrong. That was me. He needed maturity. He needed mental and physical maturity to to play in the league at the highest level because the kid had all the all the skill in the world. But Jack Hughes took a number of years. Okay, you look at Nico Heischer, another first round overall pick. It took him multiple years to find his game. And I still, to this day, wouldn't sit there and look at Nico Heischer and say, oh, yeah, he's a guaranteed number one overall pick. No, he's just a very, very good two-way player. Um, He's had success in the last year or so, points-wise, but I I wouldn't look at him and say, like, he is is world-class. But then you get into an Austin Matthews and a Connor McDavid back-to-back, okay? And both those two players blew it out of the water. I think Austin Matthews in his first year had 40 goals. I'm, I'm pretty sure that he had 40 goals in his first year. Connor McDavid had over a point a game. He had like 45 47 points, points in 45 points. games or yeah, 45 and 43. That's what it was, yeah. Um, he had over a point a game. He he was he was exceptional, exceptional player. Both those two guys in their rookie year, and then you can go back to Aaron Ekblad, was eh, okay. And Nate McKinnon. Did we're you going talk all about the way Nico Heischer? 2013. We're going back ten. Did you years. mention Heischer? Or did you skip over him? No. If you were paying attention, you I wasn't. Know that I just talked to him more not. than most. I was looking to make sure that Lafreniere did resign recently because i didn't want to sound like a couple he of did. idiots he signed it he's well you're in his 23rd august 23rd i knew yes, he signed deal um nate mckinnon nate mckinnon took a number of years before he took off and exploded matthews Here. did have 40 okay just nail yakapob i'm fact checking uh, all your Ryan nugent here. hopkins uh taylor hall like i mean you go back and when you look at all of the number one overall picks you're not looking at any one of those except for Connor McDavid and and Austin Matthews in the last 10 years that you are just completely wowed over. Those were the only two players in their first year in the league that you were wowed over. Rasmus Dahlin had a very, very good rookie season. I think he had 40, 40 some points, 42 or 47 points in his first year as, as a rookie, which was very good, but he was on such a horrendously bad hockey team that it, 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 he wasn't allowed to flourish. Okay. Um, so going back to Connor Bedard, like what, what are his point totals going to be? What is his game going to look like? Does he have enough around him on a nightly basis for him to have the success that we're all expecting from him. I am expecting massive things, but I will never, I will not criticize if he doesn't do massive things. I, I won't, but I'm expecting massive things out of this kid. Sorry, but it's like true. What? Can you give me, can you give me some sort okay. of yes. point total? Yep. Or... Yep. I will. I will. Uh, and tell me what massive means. Point when you're game. talking massive. Point game. Point of game is massive, I think, for a rookie these days. Matthews didn't have a point of game. 
McDavid had a point a game. Um, Matthew scored 40 to kind of offset the fact that he didn't have a point a game. Patrick Kane didn't even have a point a game. I'm trying to think. Like, are we talking Sidney Crosby numbers here? Sidney Crosby, Crosby had what, 102 points and had and 42 goals. And then I the said, I said a him, point a game. Are there 102 fucking games in a season? Question for you. What? You ever been in a car crash? Yeah. 923 in the regular season and 69 in the playoffs. <laughs> what about you? Fortunately for me, I haven't. But if I were... I call our friends at Salino Law at 800-555-5555. I'm expecting 82 points. You asked me a question. Alex I'm Ovechkin, 108 points. He had yeah. 52 goals, I I'm think. Expecting, are we, are we expecting, expecting something like that? 30 goals, 52 assists, 25 goals, 57 assists. If he plays 82 games. I don't expect anything less than 25. Really? And I don't expect... Kid just had 71 goals and 72 assists in junior. Okay? 57 games. Missed six. He might have had 160 points last year. Playoffs, seven games. I I, I really... When you look at his junior hockey career... He is he has done special things that we haven't seen in in a decade since since Connor McDavid was was playing junior hockey. We haven't seen these types of numbers. And then when you sit there and you say, "Well, you know, it's just junior hockey. Um, maybe he's on a strong team. Maybe he's getting just he's on a really good power play." And and you make all these excuses, and then all of a sudden he shows up at Christmas time. And he goes to the world championships, which is ultimately the best players for each country in the world. And he sets a record for the most points in the history of the world championship, world junior championship. He has set a record for the most points. And you 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 just think to yourself like, are we are we seeing somebody that is a generational talent? And and you don't use those th- that terminology very often. I think when you when you look at Connor McDavid, I think Connor McDavid is a generational talent. Generational. Well, so talents, wait a minute. What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, so you're saying this kid's a generational talent, correct? Just trying to figure this out. I'm. I'm. No. I'm, I'm asking the question: Is he a generational talent? Because a generational talent came into the league in 2015, and and the and the generational talent before him didn't come into the league. Until 2005, and that was Sidney Crosby. Slash, you can even throw Alex Ovechkin in there in 2004. Those are generational talents. Then you look at all of the players from Sidney Crosby up. You have Eric Johnson, Patrick Kane, Steve Stamkos, John Tavares, 
Taylor Hall, Nugent Hopkins, Neil Yakupov, Nate McKinnon, Aaron Ekblad, and then you have Connor McDavid. Those players, I'm not taking anything away from Patrick Kane. He's an incredible player. He's not a generational talent. Either is Steve Stamkos, either is John Tavares. What? Connor McDavid is a generational talent that comes along maybe once every 10 years. Wait a minute. Okay, I'm not even going to waste time arguing about this. Go on. What what's what Nothing. argument? Go on. Yes, I agree. Are you McDavid's, McDavid's a generational talent. No, you, are we talking Patrick Kane is the one that's uh, irritating you? <laughs> I didn't say irritating me. I just think it's interesting that you say that. But listen, I think I think eleven hundred Kane is eleven hundred generational talent. Eleven hundred and eighty regular season games, one thousand two hundred and thirty seven points, three Stanley Cups. A Calder Memorial Trophy, a Conn Smythe Trophy, an Art Ross Trophy, a Hart Memorial Trophy, a Ted Lindsay Trophy. Drafted first overall, 58 games in junior, one year, 62 game, uh, goals, 83 assists, 145 points. Went and revived a complete shit bum organization. Like, it's a shame to even say that you can call the Blackhawks that. My brother was in that organization as they started to spiral into the shits, and it sucked there. So generational talent, you're goddamn right, Patrick Kane's a generational talent. So I I'm sorry. With that. I'm sorry if I have high expectations. I said 72 point or 82 points for Connor Bedard. I don't think that's I don't think yeah. that's outlandish. How many games did Patrick Kane play? His rookie year? No. Um 1,180. So 1,180. So if you look at Connor McDavid right now and his point totals, he's played he's played half that. Okay. He's Would played you one... say that scoring in the NHL was at an all-time high in 07, 08, 08, 09, 09? I think somewhere in there, Jamie Benn won the Art Ross with 87 points. Okay. Well, that was – what year was that? Uh, the year that Jamie Benn won the Art Ross with 87 points. That was 14-15. So, so what are you saying? Well, I'm saying like all those years, I think even somewhere in there, someone won it with 99 points. Maybe Marty St. Louis. It's not like, uh, it's not like scoring was at an all time high. Hold on. Marty St. Louis right here. Uh, what year did he win that? 96 points. He had 96 points. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. So what? Just saying like. Hockey wasn't the same. He Marty St. Louis won it twice. Oh three, oh four. How many did he have? Ninety four points. Wow, great season. Don't get me wrong. Marty St. Louis now would have one hundred and fifteen points. Mitch Marner, basically. Mm, okay, I that's so. what that's what we're gonna do. So Connor McDavid, when he was playing in you know Wayne Gretzky's area, he's gonna have four hundred points. Yes. So what are you doing? Yes. What are you talking so about? Connor McDavid. Patrick Kane excelled in his first few years and and his point totals at a time where hockey was they were what? desperately trying to get scoring up. Desperately. It's only been the last three, four years that the scoring has really started to take off to more goals per game. Why is that? Pardon me? Why is that? I think the rule of power plays, more power plays, they are still, well, they're trying to call more, 
penalties in the regular season, these stupid face-off penalties. I mean, just, you know, power plays. How about, how about eliminating a fourth line that literally will not score a goal to save their lives and having fourth-line guys now that basically can play on the first line if need be? The game's changed with who's on the ice. Back when we played, back in back in 2000. You know, ten. Well, wait a minute. A third, a so what third happened, line. What happened in the eighties when you literally had five guys that couldn't skate, but they were fucking just literally human cannonballs of fists, and and but the stars were safe. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? Was that we're talking about? Oilers had in the last four guys five that years. McSorley or Semenko. You know why it's gone up in the last five, six right. years? Fourth liners are ten times more offensive a year. What's that? I said fourth liners are scoring forty points a year. Anyway, all I'm saying is that's my point, Craig. Is that's my whole point? You think it's just the 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 top guys? Fourth liners are not scoring forty points. I was being facetious. Uh, They probably are. They are scoring forty points. That's the that's the whole thing. Okay, tell me some fourth liners in the league that are scoring forty points. Caliposo. Scored 20 goals and had fucking 42 points. He's what, a fourth what, liner. Last year? The year before that. You oh. fact checked that one. I fact check enough of your shit today. Speaking of fact checks, here's a transition. So we sent out, I got to clarify a couple things because apparently someone just sent me a text. Somebody out there is repeating what I re- said is rumored to be true about Darlene's AAV being 10.5. And I stand by that. I stand by my source. And if it's, if it's wrong, then I don't give a shit. It's going to be damn near that, but that doesn't matter. I'm saying 10.5 point is there's another tweet. I need to clarify, which kind of goes along with the whole conversation that we were just having. And someone said to me, they tweeted at me yesterday and I literally checked Twitter like maybe it's not even Twitter anymore. It's X fucking X. Let's see here. They said, Hey, it's next summer. Peters. This is why I can't believe people do this. Actually, although repost sounds better than retweet, but anyway, um, the Sabres aren't trading for Patrick Kane. I was told they'll want to sign him as UFA next summer. No assets needed. Okay. Now I heard that from another, and I listen. I don't. I will not re- fucking repeat anything if I don't hear it from someone that works inside the game. Period. End of story. So I wrote that. I said I was told they'll want to sign him next summer. That was last summer. I wrote that. Well, what is Patrick Kane doing right now? Anybody know? He's rehabbing. He's getting healthy. He's weighing his options. And he's probably focused on his legacy. And I do think he will be watching the Buffalo Sabres very, very closely this year as he gets closer to signing. All I'm saying. So so what drives him right now? So, so he's made he's made about $125 million in his career. Like he's I won three Stanley Cups. He's you one basically word. won everything. Con Smythe, you name it. Yeah, but he's not a generational talent. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Uh, he isn't. Okay. Anyway, legacy. It's his legacy. Whether it's this year or not, 
I don't know if they would have signed him, but I'll tell you what, it would have been how many years does he have left in him? Couple. He's 34 right now. He's going to be turning 35 in November. So let's just call him 35. A player like him and his abilities, he could play five more years easily in this league. I don't think he had his foot on the gas last year in Chicago at all. I think it might have caught up to him toward the end of the year, but I don't think he was killing himself for the Hawks last year. Because the year before, he had 92 points in 78 games. And if I recall, they were very close to maybe getting in. We'll have to check that out. They didn't get in. But I feel like down the stretch, they were four, five, six points out the year before. So I don't think he, and then the year before that, in the COVID year, he had 66 points in 56 games. I don't, I think he knew what they were trying to do last year. Then they traded him for a second round pick. I mean, to a team that he picked to go to, which I don't begrudge at all. It didn't work. But the point is, why is, did why didn't it work there? I, we don't need to get into that. Too many, too much star power. I think is what that's exactly could, what it was. It's what you said. No, no one. You have to have your your elite. You have to have soldiers. You have to have guys that know their jobs and do it well. And that are okay with being a role player. And when he got to the Rangers, they had all this firepower. They have um, Panarin and uh, Zabanajad and Kreider, Tarasenko, Tarasenko, who they who they brought in, and there was a power struggle of who's going to be on the first power play. And it and it was it was difficult. And that's where he that's where he is going to have the hardest issue. With finding a top-end team, because if I'm Patrick Kane, there is no chance whatsoever that I'm going to play on a hockey team that is not a top-10 team in the league. I've made $115, $120 million in my career. Money is not an issue. It's not the driving force. You want to go to the rink. You know what's really fun in this game? Winning. When you play on good teams and you are a piece to the puzzle to make that tick, man, is that this game great. And for me, if I was Patrick Kane, I would want to be on a team that is a top 10 team that ultimately has an opportunity to win the Stanley Cup. The problem with doing so is he's going to be in a situation that he's not a number number one line guy anymore. He's out for four to six months from June 1st. So we're two months in right now. Sorry to cut you. I just was doing some research as to why. I know he's hurt. We all, I said he was rehabbing, but June 1st. So he had a hip, he had hip resurfacing surgery on June 1st. Okay. So we're three months in. Yeah. Okay. So that brings him back when January. January 1st. Well, how long is the surgery? It, it, Four the, to six months. Why would he take okay, it? Well, why is that January? Well, yeah, I guess I'm math out. here. You're going to have September, October, and November. He's going to be back 100,000% playing in June 1st or uh, December 1st. That's six months. That's taking, 
That's taking the full time to recover. Yeah, that's full time to recover, but then also give him a give him some time to get on the ice. You think that's on the ice and that's they said four to six months, man. Take the six months. He's gonna months. be skating. He's gonna be skating in four yeah, months. Yeah, but I mean you're four to six months. You're not you're not hockey's all lower body. It's core down, baby. I mean, he needs he's gonna wanna have his legs strong. I think he's, he's doing right play. now. What do you think he's doing right now? It's three months in. I guarantee. Four years old after a hit. We're not talking about a twenty-six-year-old, twenty-seven. We're talking about talking about a sixty-year-old. We're talking about a a guy who's thirty-four years old. He's in the prime of his life. Hip issues. He's probably got a sixty-year-old hip. No, he doesn't. Oh my god, guys! The guy hasn't been hit once in his NHL career. Like we're going to talk the guys uh, all cranked. He got cranked years ago. Fucking broke his collarbone. He was out for four months. Came back, won a cup. There we go. Anyway. He he's Not three months in. He's three months into his today. surgery. I I will guarantee you with one hundred percent certainty he is doing rehab and strengthening, and they are starting to to, to strengthen. He'll be on the ice within another month. Hundred percent. The quicker they can get him back on the ice. And slowly continue to rehab, strengthen, and make sure that that's 100%. We're talking a four to six month injury. And I put him on December 1st would be the full six months that he's going to take off to rehabilitate. He's going to be ready to rock and roll by December 1st. There's lots of time. And and what what it does for him is it gives him a good month and a half, maybe even takes it into the new year. To to really understand who are the who are the top teams in the league? Who are the teams that are playing exceptionally well? There's one exceptionally well. Maybe he goes to the Leafs. Maybe he comes to Buffalo. Listen, if the Sabres are are there, wild card number one. Division number, he's not coming here for a wild card number two, but then even wild card number one's a risk. But if the Sabres are looking good, he's going to be watching a hand. How many teams is he watching? The Rangers, probably the Leafs. You think he'd go back for the Rangers? He already had that experiment. It didn't go too well for him. Okay. Okay. So no Rangers. Is he going to go to an aging Tampa Bay? I wouldn't go to an aging Tampa Bay. Carolina. Is Carolina his style? That's the only thing I will say. Is that is Carolina his style? It sounds like you're going against that. So just tell me for. Just I don't me. know. I don't know. I don't know who. who well, it sounded like be. you thought you had an idea of who it was. What, what What if I were to tell you the the Buffalo Sabers go to Detroit, smoke it out of the water in the in the next um in the next in the first two months of the season. Listen, they come out of the gates hot. They come out of the gate hot, and I don't think. I'm telling you, I think he's going to watch the Sabers. Think he's going to watch the Sabers. I think he's going to want to see, because what's he'd be playing on the right side where Quinn's out for Dylan Cousins with Dylan Cousins and Paterka. Maybe Dylan Cousins will be back by that time. In playing right or left, he plays. Or, um, Quinn will be back. He'll be back by December. It's fine. Maybe he can have some time in Roch to go and rehab for a month. 
get his game back. They still they start. I was gonna say that was a combination of start and open. So that was New York Rangers at home, October twelfth. We've done this before. Islanders, Tampa, Calgary, Islanders, Montreal, Ottawa, Jersey, Colorado. That's October. That is not an easy month. That is not an easy month by any means. You are playing one, two. I mean, if there's one game in the first month of the season that I'm looking forward to for the Buffalo Sabres, it's Ottawa. That is your measuring stick right now, I think. You might beat the Rangers. You might beat the Islanders. But, I mean, I mean they could, they could have a good start to the season here. But that Ottawa game is going to be interesting. Good talk. I, We're right about this Darlene thing, man, because there's a lot of people banking on it here. So who's being our open ice? Rasmus Dahlin's rumored extension in Buffalo is eight years with an AAV of ten point five million per after the whistle. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, just a rumor. I believe it. Do you do you not believe that? Ten point five. Have you heard Dahlin signed right now? Eight years, ten point five. Are you saying okay? I we we talked about this yesterday, but would yeah. you be shocked by that? Who would no, be? Not at all. Yeah, fuck. Not at all. It's not going to be under ten. I wish it could be under 10. We had somebody who loves the show yesterday email us and say they agreed with me on the fact that Darlene should be giving a little more of a hometown discount. But the fact of the matter is, I'll accept the 10.5. But if 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 two if if I heard that news drop before somebody whispered that in my ear, I would say, yeah, okay, deal's done. Eleven million, I'm pulling my my hair out. A nickel over 10.5, I think I'm pissed. I'm sorry. It could be $10.5 million and one penny, and I'm thinking what a greedy bastard he is because 10.5 is more than enough to have a wonderful life here in Buffalo and back in Sweden. But if you need the extra four schmill, take it. The biggest question mark, why they haven't announced it if this is done. Because I, there's no way it should take this long. And the best response, the best response was they're waiting to announce it after the Bills get their ass kicked by the Jets in week one. Oh, come on. 